Hello, Podwalkers, and welcome back to another episode of the Goblin Lore Podcast. This is Hobbs Q coming at you today with a solo episode. So after our fourth year anniversary, uh, the remainder of that week, Alex had some guests in from out of town. And the week that you're hearing this episode, I am actually in the mountains of California uh, with my family in one of my happy places. It's actually up in the Sierra Mountains in California. It's where I grew up going as a kid, and I'm there exploring with my children this week. And we wanted to still make sure that we had kind of an episode for you. So I decided to record a little something kind of special as a follow-up to our fourth anniversary. Before we get started, I just want to remind everybody about the Grinding Coffee Company. We are still in the midst of pride, and they are an LGBT-ran and owned company, and they help support gamers. I mean, that was their whole model and their philosophy. Their mission statement was providing coffee to gamers and also giving gamers a voice. And they have partnered with us for a long time, providing prizes to our charity events, um, just kind of being willing to retweet us. And we just are so thankful to be able to partner with them. If you do go to our link tree, which you can find at the Goblin Lore Pod on Twitter, you will be able to get a discount for their coffee. And we do get a portion of that. So we always want to say thank you to them. We just really enjoy being able to work with them and continue that relationship. So today, I, I want to just talk a little bit about kind of risk mitigation. Um, and and kind of making decision-making, intentionality. So the joke this year is that we have harped on intentionality over and over again. Uh, we've talked about purposefulness. We've talked about everything from mindful planning to just how we want to be intentional with how we approach topics on this show. Today is no different um, because we're going to be talking about the command fest that happened at the beginning of the month in Richmond. Um so if people know, I, I decided to go to that event. So that was an event that I went to. It's an event that I attended. It's an event that I had a great time at. Um, we're still in the middle of a pandemic. I mean, I think that that is something that is on people's mind. And, you know, it, it is something that you can get kind of at this point, two years in, there there is kind of almost a wanting to go back to normal. And I think a realization that there is not going to be a normal or a return to where we were prior to this. Um, COVID has not gone away. Um, my my wife is a physician and she has had exposures at work. Uh, we were at a children's birthday party. We found out that people had tested positive thereafter. We are seeing cases, you know, maybe hospitalizations are down, vaccines are helping, but we're also seeing kind of almost the learned helplessness in the response. And I understand this. Um, I understand the wanting to kind of return to normal. And and there is an element of making decisions that does have to happen in, at this point in the pandemic. Um, I was still masked the entire time going through the airport, um, going on the flight itself. And I will tell you that that was not something that's common. And it was, it was, it was jolting and jarring for me. I have not done a ton outside of kind of my family and yeah, that's been really it. I mean, a few events here and there where I've, I've been outdoors with people and I've seen them, but I mean, I, I'm, I'm not returned to my life the way that it was before. Uh, I, I wear a mask everywhere I shop. It's, not no longer required, but it's the decision that we have made as a family. Um, 
that we are going to try to minimize risk as, as much as we can, knowing that, you know, we have had to make choices on, on where that might uh, fail or may not always be the level that we want it to. Our most glittering example is, is having a, a child that is three years old and at a daycare. Um, that's always been our vector. Even before she turned three, she's, she's been in daycare and right before Christmas that happened, you know, she, she had her first exposure since she had started her daycare in her, in her, in her classroom. And it, it, it was Omicron. It was highly contagious. My wife who was double vaxxed and boosted, one of the first boosters available because of her profession, same with me, um, and my wife and both of my daughters, including the one-month-old, you know, tested positive. I was the only one in the household who didn't. And, you know, we can be thankful. There was, you know, mild cases. They were kind of sick for a couple of days. Daughter got to stay home for two weeks, wouldn't hang out with their, her new baby sister. But we're lucky. Uh, we don't know the long-term effects. And we, we still are taking precautions in the ways that we can and now I'm going to talk about the duality of that, which was I, I chose to go to Richmond. Uh, I made that decision. I did not make that decision in a vacuum. I made that decision with my wife, with my family, with the recognition that being social is an important element. Now, and I, and I want to be very clear about this because I think that there has been a tendency to, to want to say that it is, you know, we're, we're ruining kids and, you know, we, we need to just give it up and not worry about this. It's just the flu. Everybody's going to catch it. And we don't need to care. We would only get, we have to go back to normal. And I think that there is this idea that, um, the lack of social interaction is, is dangerous. You know, we don't know the data yet. We, we have preliminary stuff coming out about suicide rates and, you know, mental health symptoms. We know that there is kind of increases in depression. There's, you know, we know that isolation and having to step back for things is impactful. We also know that there has been a pandemic that has been killing people at a very high rate. And even in this era now that we're at where things are reopening and precautions are being lifted, um, it's not like we're out of the woods. It's just we've, we have started to shift our view. And this is not necessarily something that I'm, I'm, I'm happy about. Um, <sighs> I am thankful that I went to an event that still had a mask mandate and still had a requirement for either a negative PCR or a vaccine requirement um, because it's not happening at future events. It's being dropped. And I would not have signed up for this event if those things weren't in place. I want to talk about this because even with everything that was in place, it's not like the risk moves to zero. Um, people that were at the event, and I think I am very thankful for this, they announced onto Twitter that they had tested positive after the event. And and these are these are people that I know. These are creators that I saw at an event. Um, decisions, you know, were made to go even, and I don't know, I, I'm kind of fumbling because the purpose of this is to kind of recognize that I wanted to be able to go see friends. I wanted to be able to go be as safe as I could and still start to have these human connections that are very important to me. 
um, on the fourth anniversary episode, I did allude to the fact that we have had many guests on the show that I have never met in real life. And Richmond was a place that I was able to actually get to see a person's upper part of their face or you know, I was able to sit down and have a conversation one-on-one without a microphone or a screen or distance between us. And as a psychologist and as a person who is an ambervert, it, it, I guess that would be the term. You know, I am, I've talked about this on the show before. I am kind of that somebody that, that needs some level of extroversion. Uh, I feed off of kind of other people. And I, I need time to recharge. That's where I think my introversion comes in. I talk about that, the ambervert kind of piece. I was able to hang out with Chase, who has been on this show more than anybody outside of me, Alex and Joe. And they were amazing. They were somebody that I have wanted to sit down with and to get a photo with and to exchange a handshake or a hug or exchange stickers, the things that I would love to do with a person in face-to-face, I was able to do that with Chase. Um, I was able to see Anthony Waters, and I talked a lot about this on last week's episode. If you haven't listened to it yet, we kind of ran through our our top four episodes out of the first 150. But I was able to meet Anthony Waters, who came on the show and was very vulnerable in talking about his father's death and talking about mental health. And I was able to sit across and next to somebody that I had developed a connection with even before I'd had that chance to actually see them, which is something that can be difficult for me to do. Uh, I have made a host of friends in, in, in the CEDH world, for instance, which is a new kind of community to me that I, I never would have had cause to necessarily see or do something with before this event. And I got to sit down and just talk to them and play magic with them. Uh, I got to meet somebody like Hermit Druid from Canada that I've had just so many interactions with over the course of the last year, year and a half that I was able to go out to, to, to food with. And that's where we get to, you know, there still were events that were risky. Um, I, I went out to eat with people, right. That that's, you know, I'm, I'm not going to be wearing my mask there. I, I was N95'd up for the entire time I was at the convention. Most of the time, if we were out walking, if I was done eating, I had that mask back on. I didn't have it on me at all times. I mean, you know, I I, I was making choices at each step of the way of how I was going to engage. Uh, And I'm saying this because I think that we need to say it out loud. Uh, You know, I think Ryan, so Barbarians Red One, he he kind of mentioned this and, and, and was retweeting and really kind of asking creators to be open and upfront about this. I, I talked about doing my testing um, because, you know, there were a couple of the people that tested positive. I, I had spent time with it lobby con and I'll get to that. And so I knew that I, I was at least a, a mid risk exposure. These are things that I had to contend with. You know, I came home to my family. I, I tested it when I got home, but we know there's an incubation period. I was negative when I got home, but I, I continued to test and I continued to talk about it online. And part of the reason I'm doing this episode today is to talk about this. And I'm not trying to shame and I'm not also trying to excuse or uh, just take that attitude of just return to normal. Because I once again, I don't think that there is a return completely to normal. 
we're talking balance. We are talking risk mitigation. Um, we are talking intentionality. Uh, you know, I I thought about this stuff and I made decisions each step of the way about when am I going to put my mask on? When am I not? Um, how close am I sitting to people? Right. You know, if I, if, if I am still sitting at a table, am, am I sitting right next to somebody without a mask on while we're playing a game of magic or am I trying to still put some distance? And I saw a lot of this throughout the weekend. I saw people with varying levels of comfortability and I saw people that were making these decisions for themselves and these decisions are going to be different for each of us um it's weird to me being two years into something that impacted my wife and i's decision of when to get pregnant and we still didn't dodge you know the the fact that our daughter ended up getting covid both of them uh you know my my i'm i i am fortunate in some ways with my job that i i do a lot of it by video uh, we talked a lot about teletherapy, the rise of that, and I think that we're going to continue to see it. But I'm, you know, I'm now seeing people in the office, and that you know, there's precautions in place at a hospital, uh, you know. But I don't fully know. Um, I, you know, I'm I'm looking at this, and I don't know how long this episode's going to be because I don't know everything of what I have to say. Uh, and so it's a little rambly, and I'm going to just acknowledge that. I mean, that's what our solo episodes can be. But I'm I'm just wanting to kind of ha have people be aware of why I made the decision I made. Um, I hung out with people after hours in the lobby. You know, there, there's there's photos of it. I wasn't shying away from it. I was trying to be very clear and be transparent of what I chose to do. Um, but I, there was me thinking about it. This isn't some post hoc explanation or trying to explain away what I did. Uh, I I. I definitely had exposed myself to more risk than I had at any point prior in the pandemic. I mean, that's just the easiest way to say it. Um, you know, I was having fun. I was playing games. I was drinking while I was doing that. So I did not have a mask on while I was playing these games or sitting around talking to friends in the lobby. Um, I was out to eat. Like I said, that was food was a big part of my weekend. I, I, I love food to begin with. Richmond had amazing food, uh, and we went out for almost every meal. Right. Um, I felt uncomfortable at times. I, I felt like I wasn't doing enough. I felt an incredible amount of guilt. Um, I had this discussion with my wife when I came home and, and realized that, you know, a day after I got back, that people had tested positive already that I had been around without a mask. Now, I don't, I can't tell you how long or if I, what distance I was, but, you know, it's a risk. And I started feeling an incredible amount of guilt to the, to, to, and that's, that's my brain anyway. Um, you know, I, I, even though I had made a decision, I had weighed pros and cons at the end of the day, you know, I, I was put in the position where I had to think about, did I now put my family at risk? And I'm, I've been lucky so far. I'm, I'm, COVID free. I'm, I have not had any, you know, I, my, I, I've done testing. I've never had a positive test. I haven't had symptoms. I am likely fine and out of the woods. And it was worth it to me to go. Um, it, it really was. Uh, I have the people that I spent the most time with are people that I have grown incredibly close to during the pandemic. 
And I highlight the fact that, you know, online friendships are things that we cultivate and we develop that are just as real as, as you know, anybody that I've known in, and spent time with in person, uh, you know, that the, the old way of me kind of making friends. I've, I've experienced some of this in the past with meeting people from Twitter, either at GPs or at Vegas, but never after this long of a break and with as close as I have become to some of these people online. Uh, I, I was having this discussion at work earlier this week when I, pre I presented on kind of the use of gaming in therapy. And I, and I got some of this kind of stuff about like online culture and the stigma that's still associated with it. And, you know, even some, some remarks that weren't, were not meant to be, but I think people downplaying the importance of pro-social behavior and pro-social relationships that develop in online spaces because they don't know as much about it. And, you know, I, the, the research, I wouldn't expect them to, the, the people that I was talking to, the people that I was presenting to are even older than I am, but I'm 43, right? I just happen to be in, more steeped in online culture. And I can say from anecdotal evidence that, you know, these friendships are beneficial. These friendships have gotten me through a pandemic. Um, and two of the people that have most helped me get through some of these tough spots went and I got to spend quality time with them. I mean, I, I kind of joke, but I, I played so little magic over the course of the weekend. Uh, I mean, I, I played games. There oftentimes was games in front of me, but that wasn't kind of the purpose. The purpose was to connect with people. And, and in particular, the purpose was to spend a lot of time with people that I have grown close to and that, you know, I would, I would reach out to in a heartbeat if I had something that needed to be, if I needed help. Right. I mean, these are people that I would say, even no matter where they are in the world, I would, I, I would count on them for that support. So along the way, every step I'm making decisions, I'm making decisions on what risk is acceptable to me. And once again, I'm not trying to justify, I'm not trying to tell people what to do. Um, I'm trying to be transparent about the decisions that I made for myself and my thought processes that went behind them. Um, I, I, I have a privileged background. I am, I'm in a situation where if I had gotten sick, I likely could take time off work and it not have it be an issue. Um, I, I, I made these as decisions. These are mine. And I just want to put out there my desire or my hope that people are thinking about this, that people are approaching these decisions and these events and approaching just things in our life with intentionality and purpose. I would love to say more. I don't really have a lot more to say. Um, I thought I would, but I, I realizing that it's kind of coming down to that. It's coming down to intentionality and making purposeful decisions for yourself and realizing that sadly, we are at a point now where these are, decisions are going to kind of continue to be at the forefront. Um, and I'm struck by the fact that feeling like I'm almost giving up or that there's a learned hopelessness or, you know, that kind of the idea that, you know, I, I think that a lot of us were really bothered by of 
the belief that the, that what we're doing is performative by by getting upset and pointing these things out because you know well we're still making decisions to put ourselves at risk and i i don't i don't think in any way shape or form it's performative i think that we are all recognizing that we are trying to minimize and mitigate as much as we can you know it's not going to be perfect it's it's still riskier than any point we've been in our lives and having masks works having negative tests to come into an event is still, I mean, all of these elements, having to have a vaccine, these are things that are at least going to help the overall transmission and spread and overall kind of impact. And, you know, I, I, I just don't want to get caught into this idea that people aren't able to live their life. And, you know, that this, it's going to continue to be a balancing act as more information comes out. And as, as we learn more and we don't fully know the impact, I mean, and we won't, right? I mean, that's the thing that's hard about this. This is the hard part about not believing science or rushing everything is the, these are not questions that are answered in a year. These are not questions that are answered in two. Um, we're going to be feeling effects of, of a pandemic for a long time on, on multiple levels that we don't even know yet. And so I want people to continue to be thinking about the decisions that they make. And, you know, if people come on and, you know, think that I'm being performative or that I'm, you know, whatever it is, I, I mean, I would love to hear from you and to, to have these discussions further. You know, if, if you saw me there and think that, you know, what, what, what if that was about, then, you know, here's your chance. I would love to talk about it because this was not a decision that I made lightly. It wasn't a decision that I made alone. And it is, basically how I approach most things in my life and just going to kind of end here. I mean, I, I, I don't even know, you know, we wanted to get something at least out to you all in the, in between week. And this, this was coming on the heels of just seeing so much discussion of it online and me wanting to encourage people to continue to post your test. Uh, don't shy away from it. If you made that decision, I, I would love to see the transparency, the honesty that I that I did see out of a lot of people after Richmond. And I've, I've already seen it a little bit after Vegas. And I think that's kind of just what I'm saying. Like, if, if you're making these decisions that there there could be consequences, um, talk about them if you're able to, if you feel comfortable. Uh, normalize testing, normalize discussing that you're making decisions at this point in a pandemic that that may not be for everybody and yes there's going to be a degree of selfishness because that's that's the whole point we're all making decisions that are going to include that and you know for me the social aspect was something that uh i've really been struggling with and i chose so i don't know but i just want to thank people we're coming off of four years uh next week we are going to be back with the second part of our uh look at kiki jiki uh the second part of the mirrored reflection digging a little bit deeper into the lore and kind of talking about some potentials for how kiki is actually coded within the story um but anyway uh i really do appreciate everybody hey, thank you we want to thank our discord as always giving them kind of the shout out that they deserve they're a community that we just really believe in and support. And I hope that everybody does what they can to be as safe as they can for themselves. And that's our show for today. You can find the host on Twitter. HotsQ can be found at HotsQ. And Alex Newman can be found at Mel underscore Chronicler. 
Send any questions, comments, thoughts, hopes, and dreams to at GoblinLorePod on Twitter or email us at GoblinLorePodcast.gmail.com. If you want to support your friendly neighborhood gobsleds, the cast can be found at Patreon.com slash Opening and closing music by Vindergotten, who can be found on Twitter at Vindergotten or online at Vindergotten.bandcamp.com. Logo art by Steven Raphael, who can be found on Twitter at Steve Raphael. Goblin Lore is proud to be presented by Tipsters of the Coast as part of their growing Vorthos content, as well as magic content of all kinds. Check them out on Twitter at HipstersMTG or online at HipstersOfTheCoast.com. Thank you all for listening, and remember, goblins, like snowflakes, are only dangerous in numbers.